Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 29th of August, the 241st day of 2022, meaning we only have 124 days remaining on our way to 2023. Today in 1526, at the Battle of Mohawks, the Hungarian Empire was conquered by the Ottoman Empire led by Suleiman the Magnificent. Today in 1533, Atahualpa, the 13th and last emperor of the Inca, was captured, held for ransom, and executed by Francisco Pizarro, who, with his small contingent of 180 men, subjugated a vastly larger number of Inca by way of ambush, a trick he had learned from Hernán Cortés's earlier example in Mexico with Montezuma. Today in 1640, English King Charles I signed a peace treaty with Scotland. Today in 1831, Michael Faraday demonstrated the first electric transformer. Today in 1883, the first Carnegie Library financed by industrialist Andrew Carnegie opened in Dunfermline, Scotland. The first of 2,509 libraries Carnegie would build worldwide. Today in 1885, Gottlieb Demmler received the German patent for a motorcycle. Tonight, after sunset in the lower part of the western sky, the young crescent moon will be shining a hand's width above the magnitude 0.23 dot of Mercury. And then, a little later, as Mercury sinks out of sight, the bright double star Porema will appear at the moon's upper left. Today and on into this coming week here in Down East Maine, we're still coping with severe drought conditions, according to the National Weather Service folks, who say we would need about six inches of rain over the course of a month to ease our drought. And just to emphasize our plight, along with that of much of the world, NOAA, using data from the North American Drought Monitor and the GPOCC Global Drought Index, published yesterday a global image showing numerous locales, including the state of Maine and the Canadian province of New Brunswick, as being in the red, meaning severe drought. So, in case anybody thinks he or she needs to keep a car idling in the parking lot for the air conditioner this summer or the heater this winter, check into the relation between our individual carbon footprints and climate change. My girlfriend and I are blaming this hot summer for some of our laziness, leading to our wild, moderately unkept garden, where the butterfly weed, the bee balm, and the cornflowers mix it up with the evening primrose, purple asters, Queen Anne's lace, lupin, hollyhocks, daylilies, chives, oregano, and lemon balm. On the adjacent patio are our only attempts at intentional organization, the big clay terracotta pots filled with burgeoning eggplant, cherry tomatoes, and chili peppers, petunias, salvia, and verbena adorn the tops of the chains, holding the hanging swing. Meanwhile, The Guardian reports recently long COVID is keeping between 2 to 4 million people out of the workforce. The New York Times reports that 100,000 cases are officially being recorded every day. The United States, to date, has had 95 million cumulative cases of COVID since the first reported instances of the disease on January 21, 2020, BA4 and BA5 Omicron variants being responsible for almost 
all recent cases. So we continue to be the world's leader in COVID with 16% of the world's 600 million cases when we're only 4% of the world's population. 5 million of the world's 600 million cases were recorded this past week. Elsewhere in the world, the major industrialized nations continue to hold second through seventh places, ranging from 45 million cumulative cases in India to 35 million cases in France and in Brazil, 33 million cases in Germany, 24 million cases in the UK, and 23 million cases in South Korea since the beginning of the pandemic more than two and a half years ago. On the fatal front worldwide, current numbers of deaths due to COVID are officially now at 6.5 million, while COVID deaths here in the United States, according to Johns Hopkins and other credible sources, are presently at 1.1 million. The U.S. has sustained more than 3,000 deaths since last week. Not a huge number for some folks. Only an average of more than 440 of our citizens dying per day from the virus. Not a big number, unless someone close to you has succumbed to COVID. Worldwide, more than 12 billion doses of vaccine have been administered. Today in Gary, Indiana, in 1958, Catherine and Joe Jackson, a crane operator and occasional jazz musician, welcomed their newest son, Michael, into the world. Father Joe dreamed of success for his musically talented children. At 18 months old, son Michael was already dancing to the rhythmic squeaking of his mother's washing machine. Soon, Father Joe had formed his sons into the Jackson Five, featuring the tiny Michael, and drilled them relentlessly, to the point that, according to biographer Lois Nicholson, the neighborhood children would tease the Jackson boys about their continual rehearsing. Michael loved his teachers, who treated him kindly, and he purportedly gave them jewelry he had snitched from his mother's jewelry box. Meanwhile, Father Joe's instruction was paying off when he managed to persuade singer Diana Ross to see his sons perform. Impressed, she subsequently arranged an impromptu audition with Motown Records founder Barry Gordy by his swimming pool. He, too, was impressed, recognizing the boys' talent and not long after signing them to an album that became a hit. By 1993, Michael Jackson was considered by many the foremost entertainer in the world, and he had developed a great savvy for managing his fortune, which reached into the billions. But charges of child molestation threatened his fame. Psychologists speculated that the pressures of Michael's childhood, performing an endless series of concerts that prevented him from having friends his own age, left Michael with a craving to play like a child and led him to transform his home into an amusement park. His marriage in 1994 to Elvis Presley's daughter, Lisa, surprised the world. Talk show host David Letterman quipped about the wedding, if Elvis Presley were dead, he'd be rolling over in his grave. Today is also the birthday of 1632 of English Enlightenment philosopher John Locke, in 1862 of Belgian playwright Maurice Maeterlinck, in 1915 of Swedish actress Ingrid Bergman, in 1920 of American jazz saxophonist Charlie Bird Parker, in 1923 of English actor and director Richard Attenborough, in 1936 of American war hero and politician John McCain, in 1938 of American actor Elliot Gould, and in 1959 of American actress Rebecca de Mornay. For more in Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Here's to the 11th week of summer.